This is Terry Howell from the Talk Back Fans Podcast, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show with the incomparable host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? <laughs> You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we knew. So listen, Lebertius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit, peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. We thank Derek Riches again for joining us last segment. By the way, if you have not visited the YouTube chat room, you might want to get over there because Derek has settled in and is conversing with a few folks. Continuing to talk about the pellet cooker market and cheap grill market in general. Kinger saying that he thinks a retailer might have taken 240 bucks. That a, a large chunk of that 240 was for the retailer. But Derek Richards, uh, Derek Riches said that he has seen stores take a loss on the grill or smoker and then made money on the profit of covers and accessories and so forth, which makes perfect sense because relating it back to my day job doing truck sales. Sometimes you can't move a unit, right? It, for whatever reason, you might have five trucks spec just like the one that isn't selling, but there's always one out of a group of 20. There's going to be one that is the boat anchor, and it's for no particular reason. Because no matter where you are in the country, if you're a decent dealer and you're putting in stock, you're putting in a spec that can meet 80% of whatever your customer base is around you. And the trade-off is you're going to get 80% of the truck that you want. And while it's 20% not the truck you want, you can get it now. You don't have to wait for the truck to get built. But every every time out of those 20, there's the one boat anchor. And you take the loss on it, A, to move it the hell out. But you know in the end, where's the money made? It's not on truck sales. It's on parts and service. It's on grill covers and thermometers and accessories and charcoal and all that other stuff. So you take the loss on the unit at the front, but you make the money on everything else. And that makes total sense. Again, Derek's website, DerekRiches.com. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. I love mine. Fireboard.com is the place to go or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. The real Joey B weighing in on instant chat as I was making my comparison to ordering 20 trucks in stock. Uh, Don't order 20 trucks. Order 19 trucks, everybody. (laughs) Joey will be playing here all show. Be sure to tip your waitress. Of course, Joey, the same rationale would apply. You order 19 trucks for stock, 
and one of them is not going to sell for some reason. I mean, come on. All right, uh, still to come on the show, the embedded correspondence. That's right. Steve Ray, Doug Scheiding, Stover, Harger Third, and John Solberg. He's my Michigan guy. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show. On Instagram, same on the Twitter and on TikTok slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. If you want to jump around and say hi, Facebook also has a live video feed, as does YouTube. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, we go to episode 109, taking you back to the very end of January. That would be January 31st of 2012. You know, originally, this show, the Barbecue Central show, was born as an audio-only show. There was no video. For years, there was no video. And quite honestly, I would still rather have it be that type of show than to have to worry about video every week. But you people demanded video, and so I relented and added a video component, which I detest to the highest order. I do the show every Tuesday with video under protest, always. That being said, Have you ever wondered who the first video guest was? I kind of mentioned it last week when she was on. And it happens to be our third Tuesday of the month regular guest and the creator of the Grill Girl website, Robin Lindars. That's right. About eight years ago to the day, the video portion of the Barbecue Central show was born. And we talked about Super Bowl recipes. And just to make sure I don't get sued, we talked about soup or bowl recipes. That's right, soup or bowls and things that you could make for such a party. Is anybody even into that? I know it's this weekend, and I continue to forget that the Super Bowl is going to be on. Well, holy moly. Get your winners in. Everybody get down right here in the chat room. Who's going to win it? The Chiefs? How about them Chiefs? Or the 49ers? Man, 49ers. The starting runner running back for the San Francisco 49ers lives in West Lake, Ohio, which is just west of downtown Cleveland, believe it or not. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was cut by six teams, not 16s, Six teams before he made it on the roster at San Francisco, and now he's a very dominant running back. Here's the fun fact. You know what one of those six teams were? The Cleveland Browns (laughs) cut him. You suck. Get out, pal. He's going to be in the Super Bowl. Can we talk about charcoal pellets real quick? This is something that I'm seeing come up, and I had some of my embedded correspondents send me pictures of charcoal pellets in bags and I became leery immediately I've had conversations with some of the highest ranking members of the pellet society that being Chris Becker at Cooking Pellets and Candy Weaver of Barbecuers Delight Uh, neither of them are currently stocking anything that is remotely close to a charcoal pellet 
So when I saw the picture, I immediately copied it, sent it over to Chris Becker over at cookingpellets.com, and I said, hey, charcoal pellets, what do you want to tell me? And here's what he said, and I quote, hardly any charcoal in those. Remember, charcoal is a colorant. A little bit goes a long way. In my opinion, those look to be a lot of wood and very little charcoal. You can tell by all the white streaks in the pellets. You could not make a 100% charcoal pellet with good lump charcoal. You can make a crappy pellet with leftover briquettes due to the chemical binders they put in the stuff to make a briquette. Make sense? Smoke on Chris the Pellet Guy. Who owns CookingPellets.com? So as Traeger was getting sued earlier in the year by some guy who had claimed that he was tricked because the pellets that he were buying were actually more oak and alder basewood being soaked in flavoring oils, and he was tricked and hoodwinked, and scammed, and run amok, and all this other stuff. He couldn't believe that someone had the audacity to sell him a pellet that wasn't 100% wood or whatever the hell it was he was buying on the package. Well, don't fall victim to this either. If you see a pellet bag that says charcoal on it, or is leading you to believe that this is a charcoal-based pellet, not a wood-based pellet. Don't fall for it. Get that big stuff out of here. Remember, if it smells like shit and it tastes like shit, it is shit. Run away. Run away. Head for the hills. Know that if you see the white streaks in the pellet, come on. Wood. Mostly wood. It's like that barbecue rub that's got the activated charcoal in it, and you sprinkle it on meat or whatever. I mean, it's not real charcoal. It's activated charcoal. It's for color. So according to Chris from cookingpellets.com, caveat emptor on the charcoal pellets. Don't fall for it. That might be a trick. They might be hoping that you'll buy the bag, thinking that these are charcoal pellets. And not only top of that, I think the other potential trickery of this whole thing is if you think you're buying a bag of charcoal pellets and your pellet cooker is running, let's say, at a top end of 450 degrees, at least in my mind, I would figure, oh, well, I have charcoal pellets now. If I put these in place of the wood pellets, now I might jump up to 600 degrees or 700 degrees. I might think that the overall temperature achievement of a charcoal pellet would be more than the wood pellet. Makes sense, right? Charcoal grills get hotter than pellet grills. Just be careful of what you're buying. Ask questions. And if the fruitcake behind the counter can't sit there and tell you, yeah, that is real this or not real that they don't know what they're talking about don't take their advice go find somebody that knows what they're talking about ask to see a manager excuse me manager are these charcoal pellets made out of wood 
Before we get to the embedded correspondence, I want to talk to you about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, folks in the business of barbecue. Everybody listening? Established in 1882, Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow smoked over real wood. Shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for company across the U.S. from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside sausage can be on your menu too. All meats are processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. A trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. They ship nationwide via FedEx, also available for food service distribution, such as Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. Co-packaging capable from research and development to package completion. They can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new from scratch. Private label opportunities also available. You can visit southsidemarket.com for more information. By the way, if you're over at southsidemarket.com, if you feel like ordering some stuff, I encourage you to do that and then to give you a little thank you for doing that at soundsidemarket.com as you're checking out and you get to the uh, discount code field use code bbq central one word lowercase bbq c-e-n-t-r-a-l all one word lowercase bbq central get you 10 percent off your order tomorrow the next day the day after that and ongoing not just the first time 10 percent discount but a 10 percent every time you order when you use code BBQ Central, go to SoundsideMarket.com to redeem. The embedded correspondents are up after this. Hang on. giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Don't sign up for the Committed Cooks program. Sold out. You waited too long. See what you did? You waited too long. Well, that's all right. You can keep coming at it. You can do it. Go to smokingwithsmithfield.com. Maybe something opens up. Maybe you get a new poll invitation to do something else that you've never done before. The website is smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's all you need to know for now. Smokingwithsmithfield.com. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month. And do you know what that means? Well, hell yeah, you know what it means. It means we're racing to the hotline. For the second hour embedded correspondence segment, we have John Solberg in Michigan. We have Steve Ray in Ulawa, Tennessee. We have Doug Scheiding in Texas. And uh, while I could not see him on the screen, I believe we have Stover Harger III, but you would know him as Barbecue Hunk because he's hunky. Stover, are you there? Holy jeez Louise. Yes, I am right here. My goodness. Look at that. You see me? There you are. Okay, we got you now. I mean, uh, look, I'm going to go immediately to uh, speaker view. Uh, so, uh, Stover, start speaking so we can see the new face stuff. 
you, my favorite thing about your podcast, Greg, is when you talk about the video. Holy moly. Look at that. You full beard, the hair, everything. Is, I mean, that is a whole look that you have going on. It's a tremendous. Uh, Steve Ray is a huge fan of facial hair and long hair in general. So, Steve, do you have any opening opinions? I love the tattoos, too. I'm sure he's got those. So oh, I got zero. You have zero tattoos, Stover? Zero. Oh. I don't have it. All right. Well, good. Uh, you don't have a tattoo, Stover? I'm going to have it. What's that? You don't have a tattoo? No, I have zero. You don't have a tattoo. You've got well, that hair and a beard. Now, no Steve, tattoo. Steve, don't You're start, don't start making little, assumptions just because somebody has a beard and long hair that they would also you have corresponding tattoos. I mean, come on. What oh, are we he's, a, he's a poser. poser. Right? I, I respected him until then. Oh, well. You're a poser because they don't have tattoos. Stover, what's going on with your microphone? It sucks. Is it horrible? Yes, it sounds yeah. like you're really far away. Like you're about ready to fade into that uh, uh, blossom tree behind you. All right, I'll, By I'll the way, that's one of the most impressive cat houses I have ever seen in my life. It can house a small city of cats, it looks like. Wow. We, you know, I'm at my mom's house in the middle of my own birthday party to do this show. Oh, well, happy birthday. Now get a better microphone. Or you're going to have to beat it. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah. All right, you can do that. Good. Right All right, here we go. Uh, so we are here for your monthly embedded correspondence. Stover is out, hopefully uh, changing microphones. And we have plenty to talk about, as I tease in the open of the show, the balance of this uh, may or may not be talking about steak, because I think it would be a good idea to have a steak roundtable of sorts. Uh, some of the most popular shows on this show have been when a group of guys and gals get together and talking about this is what I do to cook this thing or that thing. We'll do a steak tonight. But before we get into the steak talk, we love talking a little bit of World Food Championships here and there. And recently, the World Food Championships has announced a new category. Not familiar with what it is? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the ever-popular category of soup. That's right. Uh, so as the least supporter of the World Food Championships. We will race to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where we find Michigan correspondent John Solberg and uh, would love your input on soup as the new category of the World Food Championships. Hey, it's it's loved by old folks and toothless people. Um, I, I, I can't. <laughs> soup. You know, it's like, how are you going to pull that off in 30 minutes? You know, the real soup takes days. So I, I don't know what they're... I, I have no idea what they're thinking, but I don't normally. Do you... Okay, never mind. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask a, <laughs> I'm gonna ask a better follow-up question, but I just want to go right into it because we'll go around the thing here. Uh, Doug, you have competed in a few World Food Championships. Uh, what does soup do to you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really for soup at all. And I hate to say this, but I definitely agree with Steve. Yes, I said that. Pizza should have been the choice. Now, Doug, what the hell are you doing? I didn't ask you what should be in it. I just asked you for your opinion on soup. You're totally screwing the whole outline. What are you doing? Oh, Jesus well, Christ, you guys just need to relax. Unusual Let me that. lead there's you down nothing. the primrose path of uh, broadcasting excellence here. Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, uh, how about uh, instead of soup, they could have at least gone with ramen, something that has a little sex appeal. Or f what's that other stuff that everybody likes right now that's really hot? Fa. Fa, fo, fa, whatever. 
Uh, uh, Steve, you're the biggest supporter of the World Food Championships. Yeah. What do you think about soup being now, a now, let me, category? Let me, just, let me say this. All right. Just in case Mike McLeod watches. I, I love Which he does. Mike McLeod. I love you, Mike. But now we have soup. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to blur the line because soup and stew are so close. You know, you go to Panera Bread and you get broccoli cheese soup, that's pushing the line. But you go to Panera Bread and you get potato, baked potato soup, that's stew. So what you're going to have are DQs when people go up there and, and put their bowl down and, and there's going to be a judge, gonna, one of the chef is going to go, that's not soup, that's stew. So do you think that they will <laughs> have a, do you think that they'll have a bill of, well, do you think they'll have their own set of rules to where a certain viscosity has to be met or that it will have to be a liquid instead of something a little bit more creamy, let's say a bisque or this potato soup that you reference or a broccoli cheese? Do you think they'll have that? Greg, they'll have to because, because you, you know, the more stuff you put in soup, it becomes stew. And I'll tell you another thing. You know all these people that do these Bloody Mary oh, well, contests? Right. Yeah, you know the, okay. These guys are going to gravitate to soup because you're going to see this is my tomato soup entry with the grilled cheese sandwich hanging on the side with white daisies representing a cool, crisp, sunny winter afternoon garnished with skis to represent the 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 eating of the soup in front of a fire at the ski lodge. And on the other side of the bowl is a cute little stuffed St. Bernard paying tribute to all the skiers saved in the avalanches. Enjoy my soup. So you think the Bloody Mary kooks are going to be gravitating to the soups? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, I can see that happening. Uh, Stover, are you uh, back and under control here? Or are you off? And he's off. Great. Damn it. Uh, all right, so here's a better follow-up question. Outside of soup, what category should they usurp soup with? Doug, any thoughts? <laughs> well, I've already uh, blown the pizza, but, uh, you know, looking at other things, um, maybe seafood or chicken wings or something like that, I would, uh, or, you know, maybe even French or Italian pasta or something like that. Uh, you know, did they think of, you know, what was competing with soup, beans, meatloaf, pot pie, and casserole sort of thing? Mm. So I, uh, uh, there's certainly more things that are sexy. But they've got two other categories that I have no idea which are, world recipe and chef. Those just seem very generic and very open. But John, thoughts on a replacement for soup? Or a better category than soup? I... I Obviously, they can't come up with a better one. I don't know how I'm going to. <laughs> They're the kings of food sport. Um, I'll just go with Steven Pizza because it's very popular. It's easy to do. It's delicious. And you could probably do the calzone thing, the, you know, a lot of different type of flatbread things. So you got a lot more diversity there. Hmm. Uh, Steve, any better categories than soup? Yeah, pizza. When, when you asked Mike on the, on the show a couple uh, months ago, why not pizza? He said, well, they've already got a pizza world food championship. Well, they got, a, they got a world food championship for everything he does. You know, how cool would it be to set up all these wood fire ovens and have everybody making those um, those real cool thin pizzas? 
you know, you set them up and, you know, they're, you can do, you can get propane. It can be done. And uh, I think, I just think that the uh, creativity and the, and the taste and the, uh, the whole pizza environment lends itself to being a uh, segment of the World Food Championships. And once again, Mike McLeod, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Well, Absolutely. I, I, I said <laughs> when I had him on, look, my advice to you is to enter. Well, my advice was to kill the barbecue side of things and to add pizza because I think it's a, a, a internationally revered dish. It's easy to tell a pizza that sucks from a pizza that's good. And I think once you get into the minutia, you can really start to section out, hey, this pizza was really good, but there was something about this one that was even better. Wait, there was something about that one, even though that was better than the other. This one's even better than this one. You can go through minutia lines to delineate what the best pizza is. So I think it's missing out there. That's just my two cents, but I agree with uh, Doug and Steve uh, on this one, and that would probably be the best category to add. I don't get soup at all. I'm not a huge soup fan per se, but I do find myself gravitating towards more of the stewy soups, I guess, when I want to eat it. My, my, uh, my wife makes a great cauliflower soup, but I guess that would be more stewy. I mean, I love broccoli cheese soup. If it's, if it's got chunks, it's yes. stew. Well, it's got chunks. There you go. So, I mean, if... Well, what does that mean, Steve? So if I have yeah. if I have shredded chicken in my chicken noodle soup, I mean, there's chunks in there. Is that not soup? Is that a chicken stew? Well, there's they're shredded. They're not they're not chunks. If they're chunks, it's stew. Chunk like if I took a chicken breast and put it in quarter inch cubes, that's a stew. I think, I think so. I think so. It doesn't a stew have to consist of some consistency or uh, thickness. Tell me. See, that's what's going to happen. That's when you're going to have the fist fights at the turning table. Oh, dear. What the heck? What the heck is stew? What the heck is soup? I think stew's one thing. You think it's another. Well, I can't wait to have Mike McLeod back on the show because you can goddamn guarantee we're going to be talking about soups and stews. And do you Tell think, him, do you think Steve, him. he would be opening up a floodgate if he said, well, there's really no difference. You can have a beef stew or a, a beef a beef and barley soup and one are the... Uh, one and it's one and the same. I saw him almost get taken down at a barbecue meeting a couple of years ago at the World <laughs> Food Championships. That would be you get those chefy people in there with the soup with the soup stew uh, controversy. He'll he'll never make it out of Dallas alive. Oh wow! All right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> those those, 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 hey, those chef guys are. Those chef guys, they're tougher than barbecue guys, man. John, is, uh, is is there a difference between soup and stew in your estimation? It's a tough call, and I think that the World Food Champion will define that in their rules like they define everything else, Steve. Like the three-inch rule, which is going to kill your theory of skis in the soup. So I'm sure when we get there, <laughs> the rules will be clearly defined. And until that happens, you know, whatever World Food Championship defines as the rules, that's what they'll be. Doug, do you think there's a difference between soup and stew? Uh, no, I, I, there maybe is a difference between soup and stew, but I don't think it has uh, particular relevance in terms of the size of the chunks or shredded or anything like that. You think it's to more of a, a thickness? Is, yeah, I think it's a thickness in the way it's prepared. Stew is, to me, is more of kind of a braised type of dish um, as compared to a stew. I mean, a soup, sorry. 
All right. Uh, do we think that the barbecue segment will go away in two years or less, Steve? Yes or no? No. I oh. think it'll change drastically, though. I think he'll go to an invitation only. It'll be um, maybe 10 teams, sort of like the Smithfield thing did, maybe maybe you know, maybe more than 10. But he'll find some way to make it an invite. Doug, barbecue gone in two years or less? I think so. John. I thought it would be gone this year. John, barbecue gone in two years or less? It'll be here in two years. All right. It might only be two, but it'll still be. I happen to agree with Doug. It's out of here. Two years or less. It will be gone. Good to say on this show that barbecue is going to last, but in real life, that thing's been dying ever since it was born into the World Food Championships. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and start getting into the steak talk this evening, which will carry us for the balance. But... Before we get into the beef, can we quickly go around the table and ask for a quick yes or no? Is grilled pineapple the best thing one can eat coming off of a grill, bar none, hands down, stone cold, lead pipe lock, best thing you've ever eaten off a grill? John, yes or no? No. Steve, yes or no? Let's let's check. Looky here. I've never had grilled pineapple. All right. I've never had it. Steve, as you evaluate, use one Three out good. of ten. Ten being the best thing you've ever eaten off a grill. Six. And that six. has six. All right. So your answer is no. <laughs> Doug, best thing off the grill ever? Negative. Negative. Of course. It's outrageous. Get that big stuff out of here. Do we think Meathead was caught up in a little self-hype there where he caught himself and then he decided, ah, hell with it. I'm just going to say it anyway. Steve, yes or no? <laughs> Meathead and self-hype? No, never happened. No. Uh, sure he was. John? Virtual. No, he he believes it. It is. That's all right. It's pretty good. Is it still six out of ten, Steve? Yeah, all right. definitely. Uh, Doug, do you think Meathead got caught up in himself? Yes, it's, he got caught up. He gets caught up in himself every month. The the month before it was cherry tomatoes was the best thing that was on the grill. Am I correct or not? You're, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it was cherry tomatoes. He said that was the best thing he'd ever uh, put on the grill. Yeah. Well, all right. Meathead. Meathead self promoting I love meathead. Yeah, I love everybody loves meathead. That's why he's not. Well, <laughs> most of us love meathead on this uh, particular day. Is right here. That's all I gotta say. All right, here we go. We're going to be talking about steak. Uh, guys, first and foremost, general steak thoughts. What do you like about steak? Do you not really like steak? What do you think the majority of people in the country think about steak? Doug, let's start with you. Okay, I mean, favorite cut is a ribeye or porterhouse. I mean, and who doesn't really like a, a good steak? So, um, you know, I, I think that steak is very popular and it's so much so that you know we uh we went through the whole thermopin uh uh experiment which was a lot of fun so um a good steak that's why they charge 40 50 bucks for it at a at a nice steakhouse and people are willing to pay it steve um what do you think uh, high level thoughts on steak it's protein everybody cooks the most and everybody thinks theirs is the best it's a, a great competition piece of meat uh everybody thinks it's not, there's only not only the best in their input but in the world you, you sit around, you talk about people and or you talk about places to eat and you mention a high a high end steakhouse like a Morton's or a uh, Ruth Chris or something like that. And somebody in the crowd will always say, why would I pay that much money when I make a better steak at the house? It's a it's a great conversation piece. 
it's it's the all around um, food that we can all circle the wagons around and discuss because we all eat steak. John, your general thoughts on steak? Love steak. And if you think back to your earliest live fire experience, there's a good chance that it involved steak. Exactly. It was just a pay, payday meal. It was easy to do. It was easy to not screw up too bad on the grill. And uh, even going back to my dad in the 60s, steak for the f- adults and hot dogs for the kids. Uh, I agree. I think that steak is seeing popularity. Well, I, I mean, steak has always been popular. Everybody has always wanted to be able to cook a great steak. I agree with Steve that everybody thinks they they cook the best steak ever. And uh, that's not just a masculine trend anymore. It's also a feminine trend. And if you have two live fire cookers, masculine and feminine in the house, there may or may not be a fist fight over who the better steak cook in the house is. But it has graduated from that payday meal that John was just referencing to an event that might take weeks and months of planning and saving for if you're a really true meat connoisseur. Maybe you're scouring the internet or uh, Pat Lafrida's website or a butcher shop website or a Hassle Cattle website and thinking, all right, well, I'm going to have five people over and this is the day and we're talking amongst ourselves about the cuts that we want and how we're going to. It's a whole event that it never used to be. It used to be a treat. Now it's a whole event and tastings are being done, and they're being paired with different liquors and wines, and it's uh, quite a popular cut. And it's always been popular, as I've said, but I think we're seeing a zenith popularity for steak right now, and we probably will continue to over the next handful of years. And there is steak from a high level. Now, uh, let's start going around into the pre-stuff here before we hit the first break. John, your favorite steak cut? It's got to be skirt steak. Skirt steak. Wow. Really? really? Absolutely. Didn't Absolutely. see that coming. Didn't, so why do you like skirt steak so much? Well, it's hard to find. Um, it's pretty rare. It has a fantastic punchy flavor to it. Uh, not quite a sirloin, not quite a front end. It is just a, a succulently delicious piece of meat that's hard to get. Doug, your favorite cut? Ribeye or porterhouse? What if you had to pick between one or the other? Well, I'd always go with the ribeye, but yeah, Porterhouse is a close second for me. All right, Steve, your favorite cut? New York Strip, all the way. Hands down. Hands down? Mm -hmm. Yep, it's it's never the most expensive. (laughs) It's never the cheapest cut. It's a a good quality cut. You can, uh, when you you scour the uh, aisles at Walmart, you can see the, you know, fine one that's got a little bit more marbling, and you know it's going to taste a little bit better than the ones that are a little more lean. Um, I I just think they're great. I think they're easy to cook. There's no no waste hardly at all on them. Uh, just a great cut of meat for me. Yeah, my favorite cut for the longest time was right in line with yours, Steve. It was the New York Strip. And then about three years ago or four years ago, I switched on a dime to ribeyes because I just had a really good ribeye. And I had never had a lot of ribeyes growing up or going out into a restaurant or anything like that. Just never had a lot of experience that. And then I got it. And quickly fell in love with the ribeye. And then the last two times I've had steak, ribeye, prime ribeyes at Costco were out. So I got a pack of the New York strips and they were tremendous. And then just Mm -hmm. this past weekend at St. Elmo, the only steak on the menu that was 60 day dry aged was a New York strip. And guess what? It was freaking phenomenal. 
<laughs> so I, I may be starting to turn back out of ribeye and back into New York Strip, and I agree with Steve that you know there's really that was the, that's the one biggest regret that I have eating ribeyes is I try and eat you know some of the fat, but I can't eat all of that fat. I mean, I know all you liars out there sit there and say you eat the whole ribeye fat and all or whatever. I mean, you're either lying or you're just on your way to a heart attack. And so I try not to eat all of that, and I leave a portion of that of whence I paid on the plate, and it goes into the garbage, and that doesn't sit with me well all the time. And so a New York strip is a little less wasteful. So I agree with Steve on that. So maybe I'm going to be more of a strip fan again here for a little while. We'll see how it goes. All right, we're going to get in. What's that, Steve? I said, welcome back to yeah, the club. Well, I'll be back uh, very shortly. Now, we're going to get into splurge cuts and economy cuts and selecting and cooking and all that stuff right after we get out of this break. So stick around as we get into that. I will talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Two different lines to choose from, a choice line and a prime line. Choice is the original. So you have Jim Bowie, Daniel Boone. And the Prime Line, you have the same models, a, a Jim Bowie and a Daniel Boone. Now, the Prime Line gets you a little bit more of a sturdier and robust chassis. On the build, a little bit more tech, two internal meat probes if you want it. They have peek-in windows on the pellet hopper and on the main cooking chamber. If you want to save a couple bucks, Choice Line is what you're going to want to look at. Same type of capacity on either model, so you don't have to worry about that. Then you have the ultra-portable Davy Crockett. That's got 12-volt technology, so you don't have access to a traditional power outlet. You can use your 12-volt outlet in your car, and you're off and running. You get that wood-fired pellet goodness in your parking lot, at your high school tailgate, your professional tailgate, college tailgate, whatever you want to do. You can also visit GreenMountainGrills.com and look at all the accessories they have. They have pellets, they have sauce, they have rubs, and whole bunch of different accoutrements to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And don't forget, if you have the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone versions of the Choice or the Prime, get the pizza oven insert. You're going to love that. High heat, thin crust ovens like Steve was talking about a couple minutes ago. Made easy by the pizza oven insert. All right, we're back with more steak with the Embedded Correspondence. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Pit Barrel Cooker. If you're looking to get in some hang time, head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com and pick one up. They also have the Pit Barrel Junior if you're looking for something that's tailgatey or just a little bit smaller because you live in an apartment, something along these lines. Pit Barrel Junior is what you're going to want to get. Otherwise, it's the traditional Pit Barrel Cooker, and that's pitbarrelcooker.com. They have a bunch of accessories there, too. Coffee mug's super cool. And we are back with the embedded correspondence as we continue to talk steak. Steve, you're a retailer of the pit barrel cooker you ever cook steak on that yes i do 
How do you yes, like do. it? Do you like that? Good. Yeah, it works good. It's it's easy. Easy to fix the uh, um, charcoal basket. Just bring it up. Just I just hang it on the uh, rebar with the hooks that come with it, and voila. Have you done it also, like with the with the pan at the very bottom? Uh, no, no, not that far away. No, never have it. it, it you could do it; it just take long. Now, John, are you a pit barrel cooker steak guy or no? Yeah, I've done it. I've never raised the basket. You can do it pretty quickly. It gets hot. You know, bur- same same with burgers. It, it doesn't need any adjustment. Obviously, it would work quicker, but it doesn't take a long time to do it with the basket in the bottom. All right, uh, so let's get back to our steak talk here, gents, and we'll keep it with John. Uh, we talked about favorite steak cuts. Do you have a favorite splurge cut? It's probably going to be a big two-inch thick porterhouse. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, Delicious. spend the big bucks and get the best I can get there. All right, Steve, uh, favorite splurge cut? Uh, yeah, I'll go down to Costco occasionally, get a prime New York strip, big thick one, you know, two and a half, three inches to get those great big ones. Doug, splurge? I'll get the big, thick cowboy cut uh, ribeye, you know, the one that weighs about four pounds. You know, it's the Cadillac uh, cut to each rib. So, um, you know, it's probably, what, three inches thick. So I like that. All right. Uh, my splurge cut is going to be the, jeez, uh, um, I'm trying to remember what kind of weight it was. But I got one from Snake River Farms a couple of years ago when I was doing the Art Flame demo cook. And it I th- maybe it was three pounds of a uh, tomahawk ribeye. I mean, the thing was absolutely spectacular. And it didn't have like that huge bat handle like a lot of these things are. I mean, there was some handle to it, but it was way more manageable. Not that three foot bone that you're seeing come with a lot of these things. So it almost makes it look like a meat lollipop. That's kind of a pain in the ass, I think. But uh, this one was absolutely that was my favorite splurge cut. To date, but now that I've become more of a dry aged lover, I think my favorite spur, uh, my favorite splurge is more on uh, dry aged days uh, versus the cut itself. Doug, are you having uh, some popping issues going on with your microphone? Can you even hear me, Doug? Yeah, I can uh, hear you. I'm having some static on my end. Yeah, I get that. Why don't you disconnect and pop back in? I did. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, uh, so let's go to uh, Steve from Tennessee. Uh, do you have a favorite economy cut? A real thin, uh, a real thin New York strip. Something. <laughs> We're not deviating off a of New York strip. I like. It. I mean, Steve is a New York strip guy through and through. That's what I like. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I, you know, I don't. I usually don't have to buy them. I'm fortunate, but. Um, yeah, you know, if we have a good day, sell a bunch of tires, I'll get a big thick one. If not so great, I'll get a, you know, ten, nine, ten, eleven dollar one. Bring it home and cook it. John, favorite economy cut? Uh, anything sirloin. I prefer the bottom, but I'll take a top sirloin as well. I think they're both good. Yeah, I have two, uh, and they're neck and neck. It is top sirloin or sirloin in general, I guess. And then uh, right there with it, one A, one B is the chuck eye steak, which is a Fabulous cut, super tender, and for whatever reason is insanely less expensive than almost every other steak available in the butcher case or on the on the meat shelf out there next to the butcher case in the grocery store. I absolutely love it. Um, Doug, do you have a economy cut that you like? Yeah, if you can hear me, it's a Wagyu Chuck Eye steak. Uh, yeah, okay, so you're a Chuck Eye 
mistake, guys. Well, yeah, I can't. I can hear you, but you are absolutely um, staticky. Can you uh, like just hang up and come back in? Okay, I can Wait, try that. Yeah, try that. Mm. A wagyu, a wagyu is Doug's economy. Yeah, well, we were talking with Doug here. I mean, the guy makes millions yeah. of dollars a year. Eight, eight to ten ounces on half. That's cheap. Yeah, jeez, oh, Pete. So, can you not hang up, Doug, or what? Here we go. All right. I, I, let me, before I, okay. You say before here I just lose myself here. I wanted to. I was gonna do the hang up on my own, but it's my fault. I apologize. No, Tim, no. I'm Tim, taking Tim, deep breaths. I'm fine. Tim, I'm taking deep breaths. Write it down. Yeah, no, no, no. We're all right. We're doing fine. Uh, Steve, let's go back to you. How do you select a steak? What are you looking for when you're just going out to buy the regular Steve Ray strip steak? I look for one that's well marbled. Of course, you know, a New York strip does it's not like a, not like a, a ribeye, but I want it to be, have some marbling and I try to find them with as little border fat mm-hmm. as I can, because I trim off almost all of the border fat before I cook and that's the way I like to get them is very little border fat, something I don't have to do a lot of trimming on with a little bit of marbling. Do you also look for a thickness from left to right on a strip steak too? No, 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 no. Oh. All right. Uh, do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just for, for me it makes sense that I would want to have as as consistent of thickness from left to right and front to back on a piece of meat as I want just from a cooking I've never, standpoint. I've never I've never noticed them that much different. I'll have to check that. I mean I I don't know if necessarily you're finding big swings one way or the other, but I mean it's it's nothing that you're that you're looking for. No, I have right. never I've never but I've never, you know, really looked for it. I look at the top, not really the sides. All right. I'll I'll check. It might be. It yeah. might be. Look for that next time. Uh Doug, you're way of looking for a steak how do you go about oh well i want a thickness of about one and three eighths or one and a half if possible um obviously the marbling is my next choice and then uh deep red so i kind of want those those three qualities so has to be at least a an inch and three eighths for me john uh most of my steaks come from a full service meat counter and once i've decided what steak it looks the best of all the selection i will just have the butcher pull me whatever i want his choice and i'm always happy with it Hmm. okay uh when i go i usually like uh inch and a half at a minimum and if i'm looking at ribeye i obviously want to have as big of a rib cap as i can get because that's my favorite and then if i'm looking for a strip or something else uh, i just like to have uh, it's rare that I'm not cooking, or it's rare that I'm cooking two steaks. It's usually four or five or more. So when I'm uh, in a cooking process at that point, the more steaks that I can have that are consistent in size, uh, the more I know that if one is this way, then that there's a likelihood that at least the majority of the other ones are cooking up the same way. I don't uh, always use that as a solid rule, but just from a high-level game plan. I can figure that if the meat is about the same size and weight, that the cooking is about going to be the the same across all meat boards there on the grill. Uh, All right, uh, let's go to are you a dry-aged lover, fan, or hater? Steve? 
Um, I, you know, I haven't had a lot of professionally aged beef. Now I did a couple years ago. I did some experimenting with, with um, with the New York strips. I, I saw something on YouTube where I wrapped three layers of cheesecloth around it, put it on a riser and I put them in the back of my garage refrigerator and I left them there for a week and I, and I pulled them out like on the next Sunday and took the, uh, and during the week you turn them over once a day. And, and at the end of the week, when I got them out, I unwrapped them and they were real hard, like a brick. And I thought, there's no way this is going to taste good. And, uh, I cooked them and by golly, they were good. They were good. They, it had a little bit better taste than just pulled it out of the refrigerator. Hmm. So that's my experience with dry age. I did it myself. You know, I go to, you know, I go to Joe Xander's. That's about as much as I'm going to pay for food. I just have an aversion to paying crazy prices for food. And uh, they, they advertise 28-day aged beef. I don't know if it's dry-aged or wet-aged or whatever. It just says 28 days, and it always tastes good to me. So Yeah, that was probably wet-aged, but I'm just making a, a guess there since they don't reference dry. John, are you a dry-aged lover-hater or fan? I'm a fan, but I don't have a really well-developed palate. So I haven't experienced a lot, but everything I have experienced, and I haven't gotten into those crazy 60-day numbers, but uh, I've always, I've never not enjoyed a dry aged steak. It's just not something I've developed my palate with yet. Steve, or I'm sorry, uh, Doug, uh, lover, hater, or fan of dry age? I'm an avoider. I'm a funk avoider. I don't like blue cheese. I don't like mold, so I avoid it. So you're a hater. No, I don't necessarily hate it or not. Yeah, I don't hate it or like it. I just avoid it. All right. Well, I mean, avoiding and hating is almost the same. You're not. You're no, not it's even... worse. It's worse. Avoiding is worse. Oh, okay. So you're even. A, you're worse than hating. You're a one hundred percent avoid. Right. right. I don't care right. one way or the other. Yeah. So if yeah, I offered you sixty day dry aged steak, you're like no effing way, and you're trying to find a place to hide in my house. No, you have it, and I'll have one bite. That's it. All right. Well, yeah. better than a hot dog. So at least we're making headway. Well, <laughs> be a lot better than a hot yeah. dog for me. No doubt. I'm a dry aged lover, and it started with 30 days, and now I've had 30, 40, 50, 60 days. I haven't had anything over 60 days. And uh, I mean, I would love to try something in the 100 day range just to say I did it and to see where that flavor is 40 days, uh, 40 days past the 60 that I've had. But the 60 seems to be right in the wheelhouse of every bite having a little bit of everything that Doug said he didn't like in the flavor, but not in an over-the-top, take-over-your-mouth-and-palate kind of a way. Just like it's a a background, maybe a little bit more of a background note, but it's still tender and flavorful in a good way. So you still have some of the beef characteristics, but you're also getting some of the funk factor, as I like to say. So 60 days is currently my favorite, but I would like to go maybe 70 or 90 or 100 if I could. I just don't have anywhere that I have access to such days just to see where the, the tipping point is on when I like it and when I start to dislike it. Uh, all right. Uh, seasoning steaks. Let's go to Steve. How do you like to season your favorite steak? Uh, Longhorn dust uh, butcher barbecue. That's why I love it. Longhorn dust? Yeah, I think it's what it's called. Isn't it? Is that it's, new? It's steak, it's steak. You mean grilling yeah, addiction? No, 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 not grilling addiction. David's got one. It's called Longhorn. It's gray. Uh, you got to keep it in the freezer. It gets it gets real clumpy, and for some reason, it attracts moisture. So you got to keep it in the freezer. Uh, it comes in a little bottle, and uh, 
it, it's it's fantastic. It's real salty. It's got some celery in it. Um, it's great. All right. You not had it? That, no, I've never even heard of it. I'll send you some. Hmm. Next thing you're going to tell me is uh, DVQ has been on the show before. Jeez. Uh, John Soborg, your favorite way to season a steak? Salt. That's all. That's all a steak needs. I want to eat a steak. All I don't right. want to eat sugar and stuff. Just salt. All right. Uh, do you uh, finish with black pepper at all, or just salt? Uh, that's uh, whoever's having a choice. If they want some fresh cracked pepper on it, uh, that'll happen at the end, so it doesn't burn on the grill. But for me, I want some char and some salt. All that's right, it. Doug. Favorite way to season a steak? Um, I like the uh, Texas Trinity um, Rub SPG from Suckle Busters. Um, I also like Montreal steak seasoning, but um, we actually got first place at the Jack and Chef's Choice by grinding it. So it has to be ground because otherwise the salt crystals are too large. Hmm. All right. Uh, I am floating in between Poncho and Lefties or P&L Steak Company's uh, original steak seasoning, which I find to be delightful. And then I also will use Double Secret Steak Rub from Big Papa Smokers, and then mm-hmm. I also put a base coat of his Little Louis Season Salt and then Double Secret Steak Rub on there. And then from time to time, if I have a extra special cut or a new cut that I'm trying to evaluate just on beef flavor alone, it will be only salt. But that is uh, not nearly as frequent as John is uh, doing, evidently. So uh, that's my favorite way to season steak. Now, uh, what's your favorite way to cook it, John? Charcoal. Uh, either way, it's kind of hard to pick amongst the different ways to cook steak because I think they're all great. But either lump or briquette, either one direct. Direct, oh, no uh, reverse sear or anything like that? Just direct right from the jump? Um, I, I like the reverse sear method a lot. But if I'm just going to cook, I can turn it out hot and fast, you know, Adam Perry Lang style, scruffed and charred, and, and it turns out a good product And for me. Uh, Duck, favorite way to cook steak? My favorite way to cook a steak is to um, put a little bit of head country marinade on, then season the steak, put the steak in the freezer for about 10 minutes, make sure the grill's at about 325, then uh, you basically flip it every eight minutes for 24 minutes, and then you take it right off and eat it. If I'm doing Instagram, then I reverse sear or, or do that. But I would rather just have the steak kind of melt in your mouth. And I think you get that by by doing it 24 for 24 minutes and uh, not reverse searing. What kind of heat are you running on that grill? 325. And flipping every eight minutes. They flip every eight minutes. Hmm. All right. Where did you learn that from? Um, actually, I think it was Ernest Cervantes is the one that... that uh, uh, taught me that's actually how we did it uh, at the Jack with Montreal, hmm. and uh, that's actually my favorite way to. It, I find that the steak is a lot more tender doing it that way. Steve, favorite way to cook steak? Uh, butcher barbecues, um, butter grilling oil on each side, sprinkle it with the long uh, the Longhorn dust. Get the grill and it's gas grill, no no charcoal for me, just total gas grill. I like the taste. Put it on there, um, cook it. Till the inside is about 100 degrees. You know, I like to put it on my grill grate so I can get some get the uh, stripes on it. I turn it after about a minute and a half, two minutes. And then uh, when it gets to 100 degrees inside, turn it over, put another little layer of uh, the Butcher Barbecue uh, grilling butter on it, uh, a little, just a little bit more of the Longhorn dust, and take it up to 130 degrees. 
Uh, my favorite way to cook, and I am down a charcoal grill, so I can't definitively say that I like the gas grill better. And I do have a, a couple different cooking methods, uh, but my favorite way is to have the inch and a half steak uh, to do a slow uh, come up in temperature. So it's not necessarily a reverse sear, but it's probably more akin to Doug's temperature in that 300 degree range. And then uh, once I get it into that 115 to 120 minute range, then I'll go ahead and just put everything on high and then start to flip every 35 or 40 seconds to prevent heat momentum from building up a little piece there uh, taking from John Solberg's reference to Adam Perry Lang and then pull it off at uh, you know 130 degrees it's okay for me a little carryover as it kind of settles down we get everything on the table and away I go um, when I had a charcoal grill I did find that I liked the flavor on that better uh, just because of the fat rendering down into the fire a little bit extra flavor that way but I'm certainly not a gas grill hater by any stretch of the imagination. And if I'm going to do something really big like a tomahawk thick or a super thick ribeye, then I will do a traditional reverse sear, but I'll do it in the pellet cooker at 225 to lay on a little bit of a essence of smoke and then finish on the, the grill hot and fast there for 45 seconds to a minute on each side just to get some color. Uh, all right, uh, internal temperatures for finished steak, John? I like to pull mine at 125. 125. That's, Doug, you? Um, 132 for the normal one and three eighths, one and a half inch steak. If you've got a big, thick piece that's a couple of inches, I actually cook it to about 136, 138 because it's hard to get that internal temp all the way through. So I think you need to cook those a little hotter. All right, Steve, uh, just confirming you said you were 130? 30th. All right. Uh, and again, I'm, uh, I'm okay anywhere between 128 and 130. Uh, no uh, big difference to me. All right. Um, anybody using wood smoke at any point during the cook, John? Only if I'm reverse searing on a pellet grill, but I don't add any smoke to any other cook. Doug, you adding any wood smoke for any reason? No, no. I, I, I'm other than what you get from a pellet grill, and you know, when you reverse sear, I'll do low and slow super smoke for a uh, for about an hour and a half before I reverse sear. Steve, any no. addition of smoke? Um, I don't want any barbecue taste on my steaks. I like them really a clean, crisp taste off the gas grill. All right, uh, Steve, we'll stay with you. Resting steak on purpose for a certain period of time, yes or no? Yeah, I do. Ten minutes. Ten minutes on purpose every time. It work. It works for me. I, I really do think. I really do think it helps. I really do. All right, uh, John, resting for a specific period of time on purpose. No, not on purpose. Just whatever it takes to get things around and get pointed up. Uh, Doug, resting on purpose? No, eat it as soon as possible. You like a hot steak? Yeah, I like a hot steak, and I'd rather, you know, have the juices inside than on the plate. All right. Uh, I uh, So you think the hot steak has more juices in the steak when you cut into it? No, I think if you let it rest for 10 minutes, a lot of the juices come out. So why don't I eat it with the juices inside? I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, been told to us by the big wigs that resting allows the ju uh, juices to redistribute through the meat and onto the plate no resting for doug all right get off doug's back <laughs> jeez you guys oh my <laughs> i Lord. don't know how many times i have to say it all right no uh yeah and then for me the only resting that takes place is from the grill and then it's in my place setting and then when we're hiking everything back over onto the table so maybe 
Uh, it could be five to ten minutes, but nothing definitive on purpose. Uh, all right, last question before I let you guys go tonight. A favorite sides with your steak, Doug? Mashed potatoes with a lot of gravy. Oh, my. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Steve? Steak fries. Steak fries. Steve, what are you, seven years old? <laughs> steak fries. <laughs> the long one. He likes the long one. Oh, ones I know too. what steak fries are. I get that. I mean, the big thing, like you get at Red Robin or whatever. Yeah, with kids, I'm at the Red Robin brand is my favorite. We're clairvoyant. My favorite. Uh, do you do you deep fry those or are you an oven baker? Yeah. Oh, no, deep fry. Okay. Uh, John, favorite side? <laughs> steak fries with ranch. No, just kidding. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, no, no. Ba- baked potato. Uh, you know, a good, a good crisped up baked potato. All right. Uh, now, just to one up, Steve, my favorite crispy crowns, of course, by Orita in the air fryer. I love crispy crowns. Um, now, my favorite uh, steak side is uh, the same as Doug, a great whipped mashed potato. Oh. And then I will uh, forego the gravy, per se, unless I have some good beef gravy whipped up. And I'll go with a little truffle drizzle and some uh, fresh churned butter. So I like a little truffle oil in the potato. There you go. All right. Uh, Promotion-wise, John, anything coming up that you want to get out there before I let you go tonight? Just this Friday, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Don't miss it. Doug, promotion, anything? Uh, follow me on Instagram and and uh, Twitter at Rogue Cookers and going to the Houston Rodeo as a hired gun, as you mentioned when CJ's. Uh, Steve, anything to promote? Spam on each side, pineapple in the middle. Follow me on Instagram for more <laughs> recipes. Wow, look at that. Facebook. That looks absolutely that delicious. Is that, a, is that an original, Steve? Yes, I yeah. just invented it at eight thirty this afternoon or tonight. Eight thirty tonight. All right, good for you. I mean, that's really showing a lot of stick-to-itiveness there. Uh, that try. is Steve Ray from Uldawa, Tennessee. John Solberg from <laughs> Michigan, and Doug Shiding from Texas, longest-running correspondent here on this show. Gentlemen, thanks so much, and we'll see you in February. There they go, the embedded correspondent. Yeah, that's right. Talking all about steak, so if you had any ideas or questions or thoughts or anything like that, well, you don't need to worry about it now. We have you in tow. You are now steak experts. You are welcome. Breaking it all down. Steak Relations USA. All the way back in the first hour, we talked... First, with Clarence Joseph for Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue, winner of the 2020 San Antonio Barbecue Cook-Off. The second time they have won such events. Then we talked with Derek Riches in his first recurring role in the 9.35 portion of the fourth Tuesday of the month. We talked about master-built cookers and and Arts, Traegers, Dansons, Pit Bosses, and the list goes on. And then in the second hour, we did the Embedded Correspondence. We talked a little bit about World Food Championships. We talked a little bit about pineapple off the grill being the best thing ever. And then we really dug into the steak talk. If you missed it all, Wednesday we'll have hour number one. Thursday we'll have hour number two. And as John Solberg just said, don't forget about Friday. And the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less for episode 109. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. 
And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe, saying good night now. This is Stover, the barbecue hunk. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Have a hunky day.